The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at LMFM.ie Wednesday morning, the 14th of June. Good morning. With much debate and discussion from now till 11am, this is Michael Reid on LMFM. Green policies take centre stage this week. As we'll hear later this morning, green policies have played part in the 650 workers in Navan getting laid off today and cast a doubt over the future of Tara Mines. Green policies will also dominate the discourse in Europe this week with a push to find agreement on a EU nature restoration law. Climate change is real. Uh, it's happening. It's a clear and present danger. It's man-made and we need to act uh, to reverse it. We have to be the generation uh, that turns the tide uh, when it comes to uh, climate change. That's the Taoiseach Leo Bradker speaking in the Dáil yesterday, talking up the effort to tackle climate change. But, and it is a big but. This law is only a proposal at the moment. There are different proposals currently being negotiated. I am absolutely convinced uh, that we can agree uh, an EU restoration law uh, that will help us when it comes to reversing biodiversity loss. Uh, but I believe it should be realistic. Uh, targets that are set should be realistic uh, and uh, we should implement an EU restoration law uh, in a way uh, that doesn't impose compulsory obligations on Irish farmers. It is my very strong view uh, that any rewetting of farmland, of privately owned farmland, uh, should A, be voluntary, uh, and B, should be properly remunerated and compensated by government and the European Union. The Taoiseach speaking in the Dáil yesterday. Let's discuss this now with Fine Gael MEP Colin Markey and Green Party MEP Kieran Cuff. Good morning to both of you and thank you for joining us on the programme today. Colin Markey, if I could start with yourself, can you explain that nonsense that we just heard from the Taoiseach? He said that different proposals are being negotiated and the Taoiseach is absolutely convinced that we can agree an EU restoration law. How can the Taoiseach say that we can agree to something when this party has walked out of the talks on the law? Reality is there are different variations at play, I suppose. You have a scenario where the Commission proposed a propos- put a proposal forward. That proposal went to three different committees within the Parliament. No, that's not what and I'm asking. Can't... What I'm asking you is, what did the Taoiseach mean when he said that Fine Gael is negotiating this law? There is negotiations going on. Like I think to start, first things first, I agree 100% with the Taoiseach in terms of we need nature restoration. Are you in negotiations now? There's, there's conversations going on with... Are you in negotiations now? There's, yes, there's conversations going on the whole time about, and there's clarifications coming forward, there's a non-paper issue. You're a member of the EPP which walked out of the negotiations, are you not? We walked out of the formal negotiations. But that's, well, that's what I mean. Well, well, oh, so, so, you're not, so, you're not, so you're not in negotiations, you're on a radio station or, or you're on a bar stool or whatever it is, but you're not actually at the table, you're not in negotiations. So the question is, what was the Taoiseach on about? The fact is, there is ongoing communications with the Commission. The Commission have issued a non-paper. Certain concerns have been raised. OK, but there's to be a vote on this this week and you've walked away from the table. We, there will be a vote on this this week and there'll be a further vote at full Parliament late, probably next month. Yeah, and, and by the way, have you, been told, have you been told that you'll be expelled from the EPP if you vote in favour of the law? 
No, it haven't. And look, we've voted against the EPP on a number of things in the past. So it's not like a whip system. I'm reading in the Irish Times this morning that the EPP President Manfred Weber is threatening members with expulsion from the EPP if they vote in favour. Well, I don't know that, that we'll deal with that situation when it arises, but like... You're not aware of it? Typically, I, I, I'm not aware of it. I've okay. No pressure has come on me. Okay. All right. Let me go to Kieran Cuff. Uh, do you understand uh, what uh, Colin Markey is saying when he's telling us that he is in negotiations, but not in, in the formal negotiations? Can he sway uh, the legislation in any respect by taking that approach? I'll talk about that in a moment. But in your intro, you said that green policies were responsible for the closure, the possible closure of Tara Mines, which is absolute nonsense. Well, your your party leader said your party leader your party leader said your party leader said. You can blame us for that. Well, I can blame your party leader for sitting on a a planning application for a prospective drilling license for six months, uh, and we'll discuss that later in the program. No, but you made a sweeping assertion uh, that the Greens are to blame for high energy prices and indeed the price of no, I didn't. No, I didn't. I have nothing to withdraw. Did. I didn't. Did. I said you that the green policies, green policies, green policies, green, poli- green policies in part. Well, if you want to, okay. yeah. Well, okay, but I, I'm not withdrawing that. Green policies in part is what I said. Are, are well, responsible. It was, nonsense. it was nonsense what you said. Well, I, well, I well, well, well. Check, check the facts because uh, your party leader has told the company that it cannot uh, apply to an EU energy fund because it's extracting minerals uh, from uh, the earth and he has also denied uh, sat on a planning application for a prospective drilling licence for six months. The unions were warning trouble was coming. Your minister didn't meet with them. Your party leader didn't meet with them. Uh, and therein lies the basis for the statement and we'll be 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 and and operation uh, and operational reasons which I think is what that ties into. We'll be talking about that more Well I was telling our I was nature, telling her, excuse, well, excuse uh, me, just for one moment, excuse me for, raised. excuse me for one moment, we'll, uh, what I was doing in the introduction was explaining to our listeners that we'll be explaining that point later in the programme. Uh, now we can go back to the EU restoration law. Yeah, well, on that, there are discussions taking place on stage and off stage. Uh, I think it was stupid of EPP to walk out of negotiations last week. Uh, But we are seeing the European Commission publish a paper and we are seeing attempts, uh, including from my own Green colleagues uh, and the Progressives Party uh, to find a compromise that would be a reasonable way forward for the nature restoration law. Look, I think we all want to see uh, uh, action on climate and action on biodiversity. Uh, There have been concerns put out there in the public domain. Some are true, some are untrue. Uh, And what is clear now is that any uh, proposed re-wetting of lands will be voluntary, uh, that the lands available on state lands, including Quilta and Bordnamona, are significant. And there is also a push to seek new money uh, in order to provide funding to the agricultural sector to take action. Right. Uh, but you don't have the support of Fine Gael. All that has come on, 
all of that has come on, on back of the fact that the EP walk, EPP walked out and insisted that what wasn't there wasn't fit for purpose and there needed to be changes. And lo and behold, these changes happened. If we had to try and negotiate them at the table, people wouldn't have realised the gravity of the situation and the, the stakes wouldn't have been raised to get these solutions. Well, what do you think of that, Kieran Cuff? Your partners in government uh, uh, on a national basis uh, managed to pull it off in Europe, is what Colin Markey is telling us. Well, I, I think it's really unusual to, to simply walk away from the table. Certainly at a European level, uh, it's the first time I've seen that happen in my four years uh, here in Europe. Uh, and actually, you know, it, it, over here, there is a feeling that this is an internal row within the European People's Party. And it's more about Manfred Weber's leadership ambitions to take over from Ursula von der Leyen as uh, president of the next European Commission than it is about restoring nature. uh, uh, nature. And actually, Manfred Weber, the head of the Mm. EPB uh, group, he gave an interview yesterday where he said, oh, this is all about ensuring we have enough food. I I think that was the furthest issue in his mind. It was about his political ambitions. Coming back to what's in uh, the, the nature restoration law, we see headlines this morning from the Environmental Protection Agency in Ireland uh, saying that we're not seeing improvements in water quality. And we're also seeing them say very clearly uh, that we need to deal with the issue of nitrates. uh, And uh, this must be a priority. And that's part of what the nature restoration law is all about. We're seeing the quality of our soil and the quality of our water getting worse uh, over recent years. And we have to do something about that. We're trying to squeeze too much production from our land. And in the west of Ireland, we have to tackle the nitrates issue. In other areas, we have to uh, uh, tackle... um uh, over-intensive use of our soil. And sometimes it's simply about letting a hedgerow uh, uh, grow. Yeah, at, o- at other times it's about extinguishing farmland, uh, which fa- fa- farmers may volunteer to do. We'll come back to you in a moment uh, and ask about a scenario uh, in which they don't volunteer to do that. Uh, but Colin Markey, you say that you've managed to bring about this change, that it'll be voluntary. Uh, does that mean you're going to vote in favour of the law now? I think it remains to be seen. Certainly, I want to vote in favour of nature restoration. I want to vote... What what needs to be seen? It needs to be seen that that the the full extent of of the changes that are made. I'd still have some concerns in relation to, let's say, some of the definitions aren't clear within it. Well, if there's legally binding targets, if there's legally binding targets, does that prevent you from uh, signing up to it? Not necessarily. But uh, I think there, there has to be definitions that are clear... We have to ensure where the funding is coming from. And one of the things about the legally binding targets is one element that could make this work very effectively is the concept of carbon farming. And one of the things that carbon farming requires is additionality. If legally binding Mm. targets are in conflict with, with the possibility of using carbon farming, particularly in the re-wetting space, yeah. then I would have a problem. So you believe that the if there's legally binding that. targets, it may not be possible to uh, achieve the overall targets uh, by using state land, by re-wetting state land, and that you could have a situation where farmers no, are, are, are forced so to grow blueberries instead of potatoes? It's not so much the state lands. The state lands are the responsibility of the state. But if we enshrine a scenario where there's there's statutory requirements, and that impacts on the 
the additionality scenario within carbon farming. That would be a concern for me. So that farmers will... Just, 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 just to say it in plain English, that you're concerned that farmers will be forced to re-wet their land? I've no issue if farmers been allowed to re-wet their land. That they'd be forced... Are you concerned that they would be forced to re-wet their land? I think that would be counterproductive. I think so you are concerned that they will be forced to re-wet their land? I'm not necessarily concerned. If there's enough within the, the national end... But you're not necessarily but, aren't, but, OK. But mm-hmm. Yeah, but... The point here, there's a criteria that's needed for carbon farming, and if it's in conflict with that, it, it, it ruins the opportunity of incentivising people to re-wet their farmland. And that, we could, we could overachieve our time. Well, you need, to know, you need to know the colour of the money to incentivise people. Uh, why don't we know that but yet, Kieran? You Kieran? need to know that the rules... You need to know that the rules allow for it. You need to know that the definitions are clear and mm. lead, lead to legal challenge. And ultimately, there's a, there's a bigger issue here. We need to put the people, the land managers, the, the, who are the key stakeholders, we need to put them at the centre of the conversation and empower and enable them rather than, a, if you like, restrict their, their, their ability to, to act in this situation. Kieran Cuff, what do you think of those concerns? Well, I think we have to work within the limits that nature has set out to us. The news headlines we've seen over the last few weeks of huge forest fires in Canada putting, uh, uh, polluting the air of New York, the heating of the Atlantic Ocean, the extreme melting of water in the Arctic, all of this shows that there is a problem of climate breakdown. And biodiversity and climate are two sides of the same coin. We have to restore our land. We have to take action on on this. It is very clear from this law and from the European Commission that the actions that farmers will take will be voluntary. They will have to choose to opt in or not opt in. Uh, So any re-wetting of private land would be on a voluntary basis. Why would they opt in? Any farmer who volunteers will be compensated. Why would they opt in? Uh, because they would see value in doing so and they would see money at the end how, of the how day much in money? doing so. That will be down to the multi-annual financial framework, which is a long way of saying that we have a seven-year budget here in Europe. Yeah. As we come up to the next mandate, the next five-year period, yeah. we can look at that budget and decide whether money will be there, available. There is a, therein, therein, lies, therein lies the problem precisely from the farmer's point of view. They want to see the colour of your money. I think that's a, a fair ask. Colm, I'll come back to you. Colm, we money you. made available to countries like Moldova and Libya in recent weeks. Mm. Uh, we've seen action taken on Ukraine, and I think action will be taken to make sure that the nature restoration law is enacted fairly and that farmers receive a fair amount of money for taking action. And I think that's at the, at the heart of climate action, to be honest. Colin Marking. Yes, we, well, it's clear from uh, Kieran, he doesn't know where the money ultimately is coming from. And there's two points to this. We need to see where, if you like, EU money may come from. But as well as that, there's the potential here through carbon farming to access private sector funding so the public sector doesn't have to foot the bill. But that's through a carbon farming model that allows for additionality, that allows the private sector to be involved. If you set a, a set of rules that uh, don't deal with that, then you don't, you, you, you don't allow for that opportunity. If you allow that opportunity, there's significantly more funds on the table to achieve significantly more. 
And I think this is a point that Kieran avoids, just like he made reference to Manfred Weber. That's all a distraction. We want the best uh, nature restoration law possible. We want it to be practical and effective. Just to bear in mind, there's been like habitats directives. There's actually 23 previous versions of regulations to impact on nature restoration. And we, t- and we say it doesn't work. So there's every potential that we can get this wrong. And the point we want is to be a little bit more focused about getting it right. We walked out of, ta- we, we, we walked out of the talks and people sat up. Now we're beginning to get a real conversation about how we can get this right. Mm. Uh, what do you think of, of Fine Gael, um, Kieran Cuff? Um, are you disappointed um, that they've broken ranks in terms of government policy, which up until Leo Bradker, the Taoiseach, saying that he felt that the nature restoration law went too far in some cases, was to support the law? Well, I think, sadly, Leo Varadkar changes his mind depending on what the polls are telling him or and the day of the week that it is. I think, ultimately, the direction of travel is towards taking climate action and taking action on biodiversity. Uh, and I think this is one of the biggest challenges we have in this generation. Coming back to the money, a third of the European Union budget goes on supporting farming. The funds that are available... It could come from the multi-annual financial framework. It could come from the recovery and resilience facility. It could come from the just transition funds. There's a variety of funds that can be utilized. Ultimately, in Ireland, that will be a matter for government. And the government is a coalition of three parties who can decide. One thing that's missing in all of this is the knowledge that actually the targets under our national climate plan are perhaps even more ambitious than what the European Union is proposing. Indeed, your, your party chairperson told us... The general view of the public, oh, we have to take action on climate. And then when the reality of what we have to take in terms of transport or energy or construction or agriculture is made clear, okay. there's quite a pushback. And I think we need to communicate better on what the challenge consists of and what is needed to actually have an impact on our greenhouse gas emissions yeah. and on the protection of our land your, and your, soil. Your, your, your uh, party chairperson, Pauline O'Reilly, told us uh, that if uh, Fine Gael stroke the EPP voting against this in Europe, uh, that the Green Party will look to the government to implement these measures and more under the national targets. Uh, but what do you think it will mean for your relationship with uh, with Fine Gael. If Fine Gael votes against this law, uh, what will it do to the Green Party's relationship with Fine Gael? Well, I know that within Europe, we're one year away, less than one year away from the next European elections. And I think a lot of political parties are playing to their audience. And I think that's what we saw last week when EPP uh, walked away from the table. And I'm hearing informally that the European People's Party, of which Fine Gael is a member, that they have a kill list of laws that they don't wish to see enacted. I think they're worried about the rise of the far right in Europe and they're trying to move to the right mm. to stop losing votes if they block uh, to it, though, that group. If they in block, Ireland, are you going to fall think, out? Yeah, it is, in Ireland, I think it is challenging. Um, but look, in any coalition government, there will be high points and low points. Yeah, well, this, is, this will be a low point. point. How, how low a point will it be? 
Well, for me, it would be a real concern because I don't think we can sign up for climate action. I don't think we can look at the Citizens' Assembly on Biodiversity Loss, which said we need a strong nature restoration law. I don't think we can look people in the face and say, we are taking the strong action that's needed and okay. then simply walk away right. from some binding legislation. Okay, let me just conclude with uh, Colin Markey to respond to that thinly veiled threat. Look, I, I, there's all sorts of innuations there earlier in relation to EPP and different things. What I would say to you is we are very much in favour of an effective nature restoration law. We've tried this in the past and failed with the Habitats Directive and various things. We want to ensure that this law is, is effective. As regards the funding piece, the, pe- the piece that Kieran has avoided mm. saying is there's enormous... You're, you're not worried, though, about like falling out with the Green Party. I think we just have to get the best nature restoration. Regardless, regardless of whether you fall out. Well, I think we have to get the best. I would be more concerned about an effective nature restoration law. I think if we get that, the parties won't fall out. I think Mm. there's plenty of room, still remains to get it right. I think we need to put the stakeholders in the centre. We need to get the definitions right. We need to sort out the funding. All right, I I think we have to to leave it there. I'm sorry. Uh, And I I think people heard uh, your party leader uh, express his support for the position uh, that you're outlining to us uh, today. Thank you both for joining us on uh, the programme. That is Fine Gael, MEP, Colin Markey. Also with us uh, this morning, Green Party MEP, Kieran Cuff. The Michael Reed Show, brought to you by Airgrid, managing and planning the national grid so that everyone has electricity when and where they need it. We'll hear from Septu shortly about uh, the dreadful news uh, that 650 people are living with uh, this morning, and that is uh, that. They're being laid off for a period of time. How long that time is for and what support uh, they'll get to see them through that is unknown. The unions will be meeting with uh, the company later on. But let's say good morning now to local government TD, Damien English, uh, Fine Gael TD for Meath West. Good morning to you and thank you indeed for joining us on uh, the programme. It's actually the first opportunity that we've had to speak to you since you resigned in January. And I'm intentionally not going to ask you about the reason you resigned or your planning application uh, because uh, of uh, the situation that the Tara Mines workers are in but when we conclude our interview I will ask you to come back and uh, discuss that with us uh, at another time. Um, But maybe you'd share your thoughts uh, on this dreadful news for so many people, not just in Tara Mines but in Navan it's uh, the biggest employer in the region. Uh, thanks, Michael, for having me on. And absolutely, I, I come on on the other matter whenever suits. I think I think that's appropriate. Absolutely, Michael, this is it's devastating shock uh, and news for the town and for the county here and um, for all the workers in Tara Mines. We know that you know the six fifty plus work directly and employed directly by the mines, but it has a knock on effect for probably th- up to three thousand jobs and numerous uh, small businesses in the town, around the town, around around the, around the, the county. You know, Tara Mines is a major part of all our lives here in Avon. I mean, I have many neighbours and friends working down there. This is a devastating blow to them. And every effort that we can do across all government departments, uh, including the County Council, will be made and has to be made to make this as, as temporary as possible and as short as closure as possible. We met with the management last night, uh, Simon Coveney and all the state agencies, 
uh, and went through this with, with the local management team who I have to say were also quite shocked themselves and had to go through a very difficult time to deal with this as a decision certainly made by the board in Sweden. I'll come back to that in a minute. And we've assured them that we will work with them on this uh, across across all the different angles of this. They're very confident um, that this will be temporary, that the future of the mine is positive. And I believe that because I would have been working with them on and off over the last couple of years about the long-term future of Tara Deep and the opportunity there to have another 25, 30 years of mining in this town, which is which would be fabulous. And we have to guarantee that and protect that and every effort. But this is a major short-term blow to anybody working there mm. and their families. And my heart was out to them all. Everybody, all of okay. us, uh, Cross Party, will be here to assist and, and help them work. What was it you wanted to say about the board in Sweden? No, I'm just saying that this decision, you know, you know is made by the bleeding okay. board as opposed yeah, to Taramine okay. Local Management Week. Okay. We have been yeah. engaging with them on, on, on other issues locally in relation to, mm. you know, the future of the mine and so on. But this okay. is a shock to all of us. This did, 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 they, did they express uh, their frustration with uh, Minister Eamon Ryan with you? No, we've had a lot of discussions with them around the regulatory process, the issue of, of dealing with their permits and dealing with their exploration licences, and they've worked through a lot of that and they secured their exploration licences uh, in, in the last couple of months, which was which is vital to their work could continue of exploration. Cause but Eamon Ryan delayed uh, the granting, the renewal of uh, the exploration licence for six months. It should have been... Uh, renewed in December, uh, they got it on the 1st of June. Uh, the trade unions were crying out for help. They volunteered pay cuts. Uh, they also asked uh, for meetings with Eamon Ryan on numerous occasions. They also wanted to ask the minister uh, about the company getting access to an EU energy fund. The minister ignored their calls. Yeah, so, so two things on, on that, Michael. Again, there's a, there's a number of reasons for what's happened. Uh, the, but Tara Mines themselves are very clear with us and everybody, that it's mainly to do with the price of zinc, which has dropped by 35% in the last year, 10% in the last month alone. That has a major impact. Anyone running a business, if, you're, if your price is cut by 35% and Taramines are a price taker. In relation to government or Eamon Ryan Energy Support, there was an agreement reached um, with Eamon Ryan's office that Eamon Ryan was going to visit Taramines. I spoke to him only two weeks ago about this, and he said he would love to come down. I was trying to organise a day to come down again to have a tour around the mine, to meet everybody, including the unions, and do all that, to talk about the future of the mine, absolutely, because Eamon Ryan even said to me very clearly that the, the importance of zinc when it comes to the green agenda. So, so that commitment to visit and to help was there. The licence was processed. That's, a, that's, a, that's separate to Eamon Ryan, to be honest. That's a process that everyone has to go through when it comes to planning permission well, no, and regulation. It's not, it's not, and, it's not uh, separate to Ryan, when, when the trade union is writing to the minister asking to meet with them over it. Yeah, so, so, the, so the, the, the final point then, uh, Simon Coveney was meeting the management of, of, of Tara Mines next week. It was in the diary to again discuss uh, access to energy support and how that could best be achieved for Tara Mines. We had a number of meetings. Are you disappointed with them? With them? On that. I, am I disappointed with the news? Of course I am. For are you disappointed you know? with Eamon Ryan? Uh, Michael, I, I have to be clear with you on, on, on this. Yeah, please do be. Issue. Yeah, yeah. So no, I am. That that that's right. not the issue. The okay. issue here is to do with. Are you disappointed? Well, are you disappointed, regardless of what the issue is? Uh, are you disappointed with Eamon Ryan that he, he didn't meet with uh, the trade unions or the company, despite their pleas for help, not just about the drilling license, but about access to an EU energy fund? The minister told the company apparently that Tara Mines wouldn't qualify for that fund, despite the cost of electricity going through the roof because it's involved in mineral extraction. 
Yeah, so I, I think there's some sort of little bit of misinformation on that because there, is, there are some of the energy supports that the Tara Mines could access, but they need to go to a higher level of intervention. And that's what we were looking to discuss to see within the EU framework. So, could that be so are you disappointed with Eamon Ryan or not disappointed with Eamon Ryan? No, no, well, so Michael, just to be clear, in my deals with Eamon Ryan, he had agreed to come to Tara Mines. Yeah, but uh, it's, he, uh, it's, yeah. this is after the event. Yeah, so sorry, Michael, I just want to explain to you that, that, that I don't agree with you that that's the issue. So, Eamon Ryan was coming to visit the mine to meet okay. everybody. Simon Coburn was with them. We had worked through the issues around the licence and the exploration licence. That has been dealt with. Yes, it takes longer, but for anybody that applies for any licence, there's procedures to go through. And, and to, be, to be honest, they are separate to the, the day-to-day dealings with a minister. They work through them, and Tara Mines, based on their, their very positive record for a long number of years, back to 1975, working in the locality, achieved a successful licence and are continuing with their exploration, or have are in a position to do that, thankfully. Mm. Yes, there's news to stops all of that, which is very, very serious. And that's what I'm saying to you. Everybody across every government department has to redouble their efforts and are committing to do that with Tara Mines to work through that. And there'll be meetings with management all week. Simon Coveney has said again he'll be down as, first, as soon as he comes back from Paris. He met them last night. Of course, we can we, we meet with the unions. I'll engage with them myself. I engage. I've met okay. a lot of people here this morning that are working there and are, are do business. So every effort will be made. But we have to be clear here. There, there are a number of reasons for this. The high cost environment, namely energy, but it's the price of zinc is the, is the main reason here. That's what they're telling us. They're telling us very clearly okay. in all the meetings we've had that this should only be temporary. The long-term future can be secured. What does that involve for, for me? That involves two things. Yes, a dealing and finding uh, I, I think a, a better energy source that's more greener and that's cheaper that, that makes it more viable in the long term to mine uh, to make sure that the, the um, investigations continue and the explorations continue and prove the viability of Tara Deep mm. because that will mean a massive investment yeah. and we were all working towards that which okay. hopefully we'll see D- a positive despite, d- despite it being paused uh, and obstructed for six months I have to leave it there we're over time Minister yeah. and my I my look for no I have, I have to leave it there Minister I have to go to the unions I'm sorry uh, and I'd be delighted to come back to you uh, and please do come back to us uh, well, on social people. protection support so the Heather Humphreys said immediately there'll be a team in there today this week to work with local management uh, yeah. to help people through the very okay. difficult and we'll hear more about that from Helen McEntee a little bit later on. The Minister will be with us. I have to leave there. Apologies. I hate that's to put fine, it short, but that's fine, Thank that's you fine. indeed. That's Fine Gael TD from Mead West Damien English. Michael at lmfm.ie The Michael Reed Show with AirGrid, managing and developing the national electricity grid so that it's fit for our current needs and ready for our future ones. Now, trade unions are meeting uh, with uh, Belayden, the company uh, that runs uh, Tara Mines, at uh, about a quarter past ten uh, this morning. Uh, we're going to be speaking uh, with SIPTU in uh, the next couple of minutes. At least uh, that's uh, how we're scheduled to run this morning. Uh, I- I'm sure things are a bit hectic, given the news Overnight, uh, it broke uh, yesterday evening, coming up to uh, around nine o'clock, uh, that the company has uh, decided to temporarily lay off its workforce of some 650 people. Uh, they will be without pay. How long it lasts, we don't know. And that is, I suppose, uh, the bones of what the union will be discussing at a quarter past ten. John Regan uh, is on the line. John is SIP2 sector organiser. Good morning to you, John, and thank you for joining morning, us. Uh, as I say, uh, there's a lot to thrash out. Uh, it's all a bit vague at the moment, isn't it? 
Very much so, and very, very disappointing that they that we only learned about this through a nine o'clock news bulletin last night. And indeed, the workforce is just expressing their anger and dissatisfaction in how they've heard about this. It has been totally, uh, you know, unacceptable. Um, but we are where we are, and we now have to try and deal with um, the company's intention to go into care and maintenance, which we will be resisting. There is things that can be done here without going into care and maintenance, and we will be exploring all of that in the coming weeks. What do you want done, or what could be done? Well, we're hoping, like any um, situation with a company that runs into difficulties with operational issues and finance issues, we sit down and we look at what can be done to retrieve the situation, and that's what we're going to do. Uh, and hopefully we can have it that nobody will be on layoff. Mm. Uh, and that's, you know, look, at it's early days. That will always be our intention. Or, uh, or subsidise the difference between welfare payments and uh, their salaries. Well, look, at there's a model out there across Europe where um, maintaining of a percentage of wages is a factor uh, in many countries in Europe. We, I think it's time this government now stepped up to the plate. The government and, and has been ignoring you for how long at this stage? Because you've been flagging problems at Tara Mines for the last few months. Uh, you said uh, that workers volunteered to pay, take a pay cut, uh, that the problems at the mine uh, were because of the price of zinc, uh, inflation, the cost of electricity, but it was compounded by a delay in renewing the prospecting drilling licence for six months and because uh, the company was told it can't access the EU energy fund uh, because the mine didn't qualify as it's involved in mineral extraction. Were they significant factors, do you think, uh, in what's led up to this situation? Well, absolutely. There's part of what you're saying um, very much to the forefront of this. And you're right. The government have ignored us. Uh, and, and many representations that I've been trying to get meetings with them on and relevant ministers. Um, but the reality is uh, we're not surrendering to pay cuts or anything else. We will go into talks and we will have an open mind on what will what it takes to keep everybody here on the payroll instead of going into care and maintenance where workers are looking at unemployment benefit. That is not a place we want to go to and uh, the management is going to hear that at quarter past ten today. Hello. Yes, I'm sorry, my mic was off there, John. What do you think of the government's response to this now? Um, They're uh, saying that they're going to do everything they can. It's come as a shock to them um, that they're sending in a team to work out uh, how workers can be assisted and send them down to the local welfare office, I suppose. Uh, it, it seems as though they've been sitting on their hands and dragging their feet, and in the case of Eamon Ryan, ignoring your union and, and your members. Yeah, look, you're right. Uh, the ignoring is there. And look, they are saying the standard line when it comes to workers in this situation, facing layoff and, and threat to their employment that they put in teams and they do all their best. They put that out there in the media all the time. The reality is we'll be talking to them. If we can't protect earnings and pay on a working week here, we will be talking to relevant ministers around taking the model that's in Europe and making sure this is not just an unemployment benefit that workers get. It's time for them to step up to the mark, as you say. And as they are advocating, they will be there to help these workers. Well, let's see how that help comes. 
I'm of the view that they have to come up with more money than social welfare benefits. And as we learned yesterday and in previous weeks, they are awash with money at the moment. This is a perfect time now to pay back to these workers that are 40 years putting money into the coffers of the government. Damien English told us a few moments ago, Eamon Ryan is planning to visit Tara Mines in about two weeks. Um, it's a, a bit late in the day after ignoring you for all this time. Do you, well, believe, do you believe Eamon Ryan has failed the workers of Tara Mines? Look, I believe the whole political side of things has failed this. It's not just one minister, it's a government. This is a government that was approached six months ago, I'm told, by the company themselves, directly looking for financial support. And they failed them then, and they're failing them now. They failed them with a drilling licence when it finally came through, which took six months of bureaucracy to try and get a drilling licence, which has absolutely fed into the problems here in this mine today. They have... We're going to hear, John, I'm sorry to cut across you. We're going to hear a, a conversation I recorded earlier this morning with Minister Helen McEntee, who says that's not the case. It has nothing to do with the licence. Uh, we heard the same a moment ago from Damien English, uh, another government representative for, for the area. Um, they're wrong, obviously, listening to you. Look at Michael, the reality is neither of them people, with all due respect to them, they are not in the mining world and I'm in the mining world for over 20 plus years. We have representatives in here that are uh, representing workers for longer. Uh, and, and the reality is that drilling license has impacted here negatively. And it is going to impact again because it's an 18 month license. Before this, there were five year licenses. And they are now, it's so uncertain what is going to happen if this mine is in place this time next year, do they start applying again for a licence? Or do they have to wait until December when the licence is, is run out? The whole thing is crazy. And it is wrong what the government has done. And it is wrong with regard to how this mine has not been supported with all the revenue that they are pumping in to both the local communities and the economy and national level. So the whole thing just is obviously coming to a point here and we're going to have to, you know, roll up the sleeves, get stuck into local agreements and hopefully there may be a political willingness as well to assist us. Okay, John. Uh, I hope uh, you'll be able to come back to us uh, tomorrow in the coming days uh, with uh, more information on this. It's obviously uh, of huge significance, not just to your members uh, who are in this dire situation, but uh, to the people of uh, the town and indeed the region for that matter. Thanks for joining us today. I know you're going into those talks now, so thanks for taking a little bit of time to speak to us uh, this morning. John Regan, SIP2 Sector Organiser. Michael Reed Show, brought to you by AirGrid, managing and planning the national grid so that everyone has electricity when and where they need it. So now we can uh, listen uh, to an interview I recorded earlier on with uh, the Minister for Justice and Fine Gael TD for me, these Helen McEntee. Well, firstly, Michael, I mean, my thoughts are, are with the 650 plus staff that have received what is really devastating news. This obviously impacts not just them, but their families. And, and we know that for many decades, the wider community of Navan um, and many businesses have been supported through Tower Mines. So this has come as a huge shock. Um, and really, I want to say that, that myself and my colleagues will do whatever we can 
to support um, people and to make sure that obviously this process is well that we we make it as easy as possible for people but that's going to be very difficult because you have 650 people who have just received news that they will be temporarily laid off um, from Tower Mines while the company have very clearly said that this decision is temporary we don't know how long this will last Um, so you know as I said my, my first thoughts really are with people who have um, been given very devastating news mm. but it's important that we do everything that we can through state agencies and obviously working with the company who have had a very good reputation and have worked very closely and very well with people over the decades in County mm. Mead that we do what we can to support them. Yeah, well, it's incredible news um, to be told that you're laid off over 650 people, as you say, without pay. Uh, what will be done for the workers in the immediate term? So in the immediate term, what's happening is there will be essentially a wind down. So the, the mine is going into what's called a care and maintenance situation. So it will take time for that to happen, for things to wind down. So you will have about four weeks where people will continue to be paid. After that, then, this is where we have to work through. I mean, you have, and, and I've been speaking to Minister Humphreys, who is sending in a team from her department to talk to employees today. That's obviously with the agreement mm. of the employers. Um, there are social welfare entitlements that are there available to people um, that will obviously not bridge the gap. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply what some people are obviously currently earning. Will that, bre- will that gap be bridged uh, by the company or by the state? Uh, the company is saying it's not going to pay wages. The unions don't know what the situation is. They're to meet with the company at a quarter past ten. Will there be state assistance for people who've been laid off pretty much o- overnight without pay? Well, firstly, I mean, the, the responsibility is with the company as it is with any company where you have layoffs like this. Um, I mean, people are entitled, because it is a temporary layoff, people will be entitled to social protection, and that is the general uh, social protection that anybody would be entitled to here. You are also entitled to work, um, and obviously you have, firstly, a number of apprentices that are there, and there's been a very clear commitment meant by Ireland to engage with Solace, the LMETB locally, to make sure that people who are doing apprentices, that they can be completed elsewhere and that we can work with other businesses in that regard, but also that there's potential for people to find other work, be it in the short term, the medium, and look, we know that for some people it will end up being a long-term change. Um, What happens... Okay, but in terms of of trying to get through this financially, Minister, the the workers are are on their own. They'll get welfare, is it, uh, unless the company cops up? That, that is the process that will kick in now, yes. And I mean, look, okay. this, is only, this has come as a shock, I think, to everybody. Did it come as a um, shock to you, Minister? It, well, it did, quite frankly. Right. Um, I think like a lot of people, I've known that there has been difficulty, and particularly when it comes to energy prices. But what we now know, it's not just one thing that has impacted this, uh, that has brought this decision about. Um, it was only made at about half four yesterday. Mm. Um, I spoke to the management team last night, and this decision was taken by the board with their senior team. Uh, this is obviously an international company. 
just yesterday and it's based on a number of factors, one of them being the significant change and the decrease in price of zinc just this month and last month. So that's come about very quickly. Um, you have operational costs, which it deems the operational costs in, in Ireland for various different reasons and for historical reasons as, as their uh, manager has well, because government has, Because government has ignored the company. Um, well, that's absolutely not the case. Uh, well, it is. I'm really surprised that. to hear you, Minister, as a local representative, public representative, say you're shocked at this news. I was very surprised to hear uh, the Minister for Enterprise, Simon Coveney, say he was shocked by the news. Uh, I don't think Eamon Ryan would be shocked by the news because a- Eamon Ryan uh, stood uh, or s- s- sat at, at his desk with a planning application for uh, a drilling licence uh, to be renewed for six months. He delayed that licence for six months, which impacted dreadfully uh, on the viability of the mines. That was communicated very clearly to the Minister. The Union has been calling for a, a meeting with Minister Ryan for some time. This didn't come out of the blue, nor did it come overnight, Minister. Well, maybe if I could actually just explain to people. So we have a licence that is in place and that has been agreed for Tara Deep. And what people might not know is Tara Deep is obviously the future plans for Tara, which would not just expand the lifetime of the mine by a few years, but actually by a few decades. So there have been there has been a huge amount of work to make sure that the huge body of work that Tara Mines has done in exploration and seeing how can we keep this open for longer? How can we ensure these jobs are here for, for generations or, or decades to come. If that's the case, why the did Eamon Ryan not renew the prospecting drilling licence? So the licence has been renewed. Yeah, from is, the 1st of June, it should have been done in December last year. Well, all, all I can say, Michael, is all of the licences are in place. and if Six months late, never, never a delay of that sort before in the history of Tara, according to the trade unions. Why did Eamon Ryan not renew the licence? Michael, this is not why the mine is closing. I need to be really clear here. It is part of the reason. It's part of the operation. I mean, if they're not able to carry out prospecting work, uh, it obviously impedes uh, on uh, the viability of the future of Tara Mines. Uh, There are the other factors. There's the four factors uh, in total, that being one of uh, the four. Uh, Another is, uh, of course, uh, that... Uh, the company and the trade unions have uh, been trying to meet with Eamon Ryan to ask the minister to lobby on their behalf to give them access to an EU energy fund. I don't know if the minister, Eamon Ryan that is, has met with uh, the company, but he certainly hadn't met with the trade unions up to recently. So it is absolutely not the case that this mine has closed because it did not receive a lease agreement. And I, I need to be clear on that and people need to understand that when they hear this. There were a number of factors that have come together. And yes, I have known and colleagues locally have known that the company is under pressure, in particular when it comes to energy costs. And every company has been impacted by that. That is absolutely Mm. fair to say. Minister Coveney was due to meet with their senior team next week. And there's been a lot of work done to try and see what obviously within state rules can be done to try and help. Prices have come down. But that hasn't helped them. Did the minister tell the company that it wouldn't qualify for the EU energy fund because it's involved in mineral extraction? So I I don't know. Uh, Quite frank, I I don't know if that was said to them. What I do know is that every effort was being made to make sure that what supports can be given to them would be given to them. If Tara Mines had got supports under that EU energy fund, uh, it would be in a better position today financially, wouldn't it? It might be fractionally better but if you look at the overall loss that they are projecting for this year 
it is 100 million. So there is no energy support grant, there is no energy uh, scheme either at a European level or within government that would have protected them from this. And that's what I'm saying and that's what people need to understand here that this is a, a series of different events that have mm. come together most notably in the last month or two and that's I do believe why this decision was taken so quickly because the cost of things they're operating at a thousand dollars less a tonne than they would have budgeted for which is a significant mm. loss it, it's not sustainable to work at that level but if you have inflation which is an international problem this is not just Ireland and, and something that can be solved by government but also electricity price prices which again uh, is an issue internationally as well so this is a perfect storm of events that have come together, not just one. Now, obviously, what we need to do now, uh, and, and there's going to be engagement continuing, so we met last night. But This is after the event. This is after the event, Minister. I mean, this is a company that's been in trouble for six months. Have you spoken to Eamon Ryan about his decision to obstruct the company from doing its work for six months by not renewing its prospecting drilling licence? I have to stress, Michael, the company has not closed because their licence was not given within a certain time frame. That is not the case, and people should not think that that is the case. Eamon Ryan was due well, to the, the trade unions have been very concerned about the the trade unions have been very concerned about the viability of uh, the company because uh, of uh, the state's failure to renew that license, uh, and therein lies the logic of the question to you this morning. The trade union SIPTU has been raising a red flag for a number of months now, uh, and here we are today, uh, and you're saying uh, that it, it has nothing to do with the problem. Uh, it's some coincidence, though isn't it, that the trade union was saying that it could lead to significant problems for the trading of the company? Well, if we were to take that, so the drop in zinc has only happened in the last month. So, yes, there are a number of factors that are causing challenges for this company. That has been the case for some time. We know that that's not new. We know that Tower Mines has closed before. We know that it is a volatile environment. So we have to make sure that we work with them. We have been Myself and Minister English, mm. or Damien English, have met with uh, the company several times. Leo Radker, when he was Taoiseach previously, and Simon Coveney was due to meet with the, the national team. I, I know you've been on leave, Minister, but did you raise the issue of the licence being renewed with the Minister or not? Yes, I have. And right. I have been engaging with the company for some time. And we have worked through any difficulties that they had. And Damien English... Was there resistance from Eamon Ryan? Uh, no, I wouldn't say there was. I'd say there's a process here that has to be undergone. We're talking about a mine. We're talking about okay. licenses. Are you happy? Are you happy with how the minister has dealt with this, given that the license should have been renewed in December? It wasn't renewed until June. The most important thing here, Michael, is that the license was renewed. Minister, the question is, are you happy with Eamon Ryan, given that the license should have been renewed in December, but wasn't renewed until June? I can't speak for Eamon Ryan. No, I'm asking you to speak for yourself, Minister. Are you happy with Eamon Ryan, who delayed the licence being renewed for six months? It should have been renewed in December, but wasn't renewed until June. The 1st of June, I think, uh, just a a matter of days ago. Are you happy with uh, how the Minister has handled this? As you've clearly said yourself, Michael, I've been on maternity leave for the last six months, so I don't know the details of why it wasn't renewed in December. What I do know is that the licence was OK, renewed. Minister, I'm but sorry, but you did say you were communicating with Eamon Ryan. I have to take it that you're deciding not to answer that question. 
no, what I meant was I was communicating with Eamon Ryan before I went on maternity leave. So what I haven't been a part of is discussion over the last couple of months in why the lease was not renewed when it was renewed. So, you know, Michael, we have to pull it back here because you're trying to steer this in the direction that this mine has closed because government has not engaged or supported or worked with people locally and that is simply not the case. Well I'm not. What I'm asking is that apart from apart from the sink, apart from the drop in sink prices, apart from the increase in electricity prices, apart from the increase in costs because inflation generally the question is has government's uh, failure to engage with the company or the workers being in part uh, 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 part of uh, the reason why the company is in, in this position today? Uh, no, I don't believe it is because there has been engagement because we have engaged with workers because we have engaged with the company. So no, I don't believe it is and the company are not saying themselves that this is an issue. What they're saying is that a number of things have come together and created this scenario. So if they have not said that things, that electricity prices, that inflation, that it was one operational matter and it was specifically to do with the lease, then yes, I would be saying to you, we have not done enough here. But there are always delays in certain, you know, whatever we're talking about in life. There are delays. Well, the trade union said there's never been a delay like this before, not a a delay of six months obstructing the company from carrying out the work that it it, it does. Will you be raising it with Eamon Ryan now that uh, you're uh, back from leave and you'll be uh, seeing the minister at uh, the cabinet meeting this morning? I'll be speaking to Eamon Ryan today. I've already spoken to a number of other colleagues on this. I've already spoken to senior management. I've already spoken uh, with members of staff in Tower Mines. So I'm absolutely engaged with this. And people need to be reassured that everything that can be done will be done for them and to support them because this is an unimaginably difficult time for people who are listening to your show. And they need to know that people are supporting them And I cannot stress enough that we are here to support them. But the company as well have a responsibility here. You cannot solely lay the blame here at government. The company have a responsibility to engage with staff, which I know they will. And I know this is very difficult for senior management as well, many of whom are local people. They will continue to engage with staff. They will make sure that at every step of the way they know what is happening. And that's difficult because we don't have a timeline. We don't have a a perfect understanding of what's going to happen in the coming months. But the most important thing is that people are communicated with uh, and that whatever change might happen. And obviously, we hope to see this mine open again um, in as short a time as possible. But this decision was taken to ensure the viability of the mine into the future. Um, And while it's been a difficult decision, I've I've no doubt um, we need to deal with it now. And we will do everything, as I said, that I can to support people. Okay, Minister, we have to leave there. Thank you very much indeed for taking our call today. Thanks, Michael. Helen McEntee is uh, the Minister for Justice and uh, I spoke to the Minister before we came on air this morning. The Michael Reid Show, brought to you by AirGrid, managing and planning the national grid so that everyone has electricity when and where they need it. Now, Tara Mines uh, say that there's been a, a massive drop in zinc prices, uh, which has led to, to its problems. Uh, the cost of uh, electricity uh, has become unaffordable, I suppose, for a lot of companies, and that is feeding into the problems uh, that it is experiencing. Inflation, in general, means that everything you buy, every work tool, 
every piece of furniture, everything that you buy uh, is more expensive and that has been feeding into its problems and they say there's been a number of operational problems uh, as well that have led to the decision uh, to let 650 workers go. Their future is uncertain. All we know is uh, they're going to be on welfare. Uh, it seems at this stage uh, that there'll be no state subsidy on top of that. It seems at this stage that there'll be no subsidy from the company on top of that and how long they'll be out of work is unknown and what the future of Tara Mines is at this stage is unknown. But what are the operational problems? Well, we do know that for a long period of time there's been a lot of concern. SIP2 has called for meetings with uh, the Minister for the Environment, Eamon Ryan, hoping to understand why there's been a delay in issuing a renewal of a prospecting drilling licence for the mine. It should have been renewed, as we've been hearing this morning in December. It wasn't renewed until the 1st of June. The minister didn't meet with the union. I don't think the minister uh, has met with uh, the company. But uh, it seems that the minister did say to the company when it came to electricity costs that they wouldn't qualify for an EU energy fund because uh, the mine is involved in mineral extraction. Uh, We've been putting those points uh, about the licence renewal and uh, indeed uh, access uh, to that EU Energy Fund, which SHIPTU wanted uh, the Minister to lobby on behalf of the company to get access to to a number of people this morning. As you've heard, Damien English and Minister Helen McEntee have said that's nothing to do with why uh, Tara Mines is in the situation that it is in at the moment. But we also heard John Regan. Uh, the SIP2 sector organiser tell us that the delay in renewing the licence uh, is part of the problem and that the mine is not being supported by government. Let's speak to another local representative, Sinn Féin TD for Mead West. Johnny Gurka is on the line. It's devastating for the 650 workers and indeed the local economy and people generally in the region. What are your thoughts this morning, Johnny Gurk? Well, I was, I was shocked uh, yesterday, um, Michael, even though I knew um, that there was issues with the mine over a month ago, you know, but uh, you don't uh, expect it to come to this, you know, and you said about the 650 workers, but I would say there's a f- couple of thousand other workers directly or indirectly um, affected by this also, whether they're subcontractors or whatever, you know, so, and, and uh, you know, it, it affects the whole region right across um, neighbouring counties and everything, you know, so um, we, we want to do all in our power to make sure that these jobs are, are, are temporary and uh, that it's temporary laid off and not uh, long term. All right. When you hear that the workers volunteered a 3% pay cut for 12 months uh, last month um, because they were aware of how significant the problems the company was facing were and were calling to meet with the minister to intervene and to hear that the minister uh, didn't respond to that call uh, would you say that the minister has been re- remiss, uh, that Minister Raymond Ryan has been remiss in h- how he's heard the calls for help? I, w- I would say, Michael, that um, he's very slow in reacting. I wrote to him myself on the 11th of May 
uh, about uh, meeting all Oireachtas members from County Mead, not just me, um, all Oireachtas members from all parties to meet with us, to meet with uh, trade unions and to meet with uh, management and Bolladon Tower Mines because of the issues and, and you know, to, to any any um, issue that there was with risk to jobs or anything that would be dealt with then. And the only thing he done was acknowledge my letter. He didn't come back to me uh, with with any date for a meeting or anything. So you would have to say, Michael, that um, he, he was taking it very lightly and most certainly wasn't a priority for him. Uh, we heard uh, that he's to visit Tara Mines in a, a fortnight. Uh, it's a, a bit like uh, turning up when the fire is being put out. Yeah, um, you know, like why, why didn't he meet them uh, when 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 he got my letter um, over a month ago? You know, um, even even acknowledged to say that he would meet them because everybody um, knew that there was issues. Uh, in fairness to Sip to um, that was where I heard it first. You know, and and um, they sent a, a, a flyer around to us all. And at that time, I put those um, requests in for a meeting uh, mm. to Minister Ryan. But well, Sip to called a, a public meeting and asked uh, local representatives to. Uh, they were reaching out to anybody who would listen, but it, it seems uh, uh, that uh, nobody acted, whether they were listening or not, nobody acted quick uh, enough to prevent this situation from occurring. Yeah, well, I, I can only speak for myself, Michael. As soon as I got the letter from, uh, and, and, and my PA did talk to uh, John Regan on the issue, and we put in those questions uh, to Minister Ryan uh, within a day or so off, off um, getting those um, um um, queries from from SIP2, you know. So uh, from the day I knew about it, I have uh, been on top of it and asking for this meeting with Minister Ryan. But um, he didn't he didn't come back with any date for that meeting, you know. So that is very disappointing, you know. And um, you, you know where, where we are now, we mightn't be there if if this had been just acted on quick enough. Come on, as you say, in two weeks' time, um, I can't see what um, major difference that's going to make. No. Uh, just, I suppose, means uh, that this has come as a, a surprise to Minister Eamon Ryan uh, that he'd have come before the company decided to lay off the staff had he been expecting it. And do you think that um, he might have been a- a- expecting it given that the trade union was asking its members to take pay cuts? Well, if if you're asking for pay cuts, there has to be a reason for it, you know. And, yeah, and, never, and it's un- very, so rare that a trade union would ask its members to take pay yeah. cuts. Yeah, it is rare, and um, that should have been a red flag for him, you know, at the time, uh, like, like all other things that it was brought to his attention, and um, that he didn't, he did, he didn't act on. Like we've been told, like that the company reached out to government six months ago and heard nothing back, you know. So, mm. if if, you, if you're not taking um, the companies this size uh, serious, uh, what, what hope has smaller um, people in in dealing with um, job losses and anything like that? You know, I was I was in the doll myself raising the issue of eleven job losses at, at rehab in in me this morning. I didn't mm. think. I want to ask you about that in a moment, but if I could yeah. stick with Tara Mines for yeah. a, a minute, John Regan uh, of SIPTU uh, was uh, highlighting how the government is rolling in it at the moment. That it is awash with money. It doesn't know what to do with the, the billions that it has left over uh, at the end of this year. The 650 workers as it stands are are to be laid off and go on the dole. Uh, He he was suggesting that there should be support for them, that their welfare payments should be subsidised perhaps 
uh, by government uh, in line with their salary. What would you make of that? Well, I think, uh, Michael, today the government needs to go in and talk to management and come to a solution. Like I spoke to a couple of workers up there this morning like, and they've told me um, that, they, that they have big mortgages. You know, So they, 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 these people need to be looked after. I spoke to another fellow yesterday evening who told me that um, he's got out a large mortgage only a couple of weeks ago on the basis of a good job in Tara Mines. You know, so they, these people um, need to be looked after. They need, the government needs to act today um, and, and sit down with management and come to a, a fair solution that well, these uh, workers are off work, that they're looked after and looked after fairly. Okay. As you say, uh, there's a double whammy here in that more jobs are on the line in Navan. Uh, on top of the 650 jobs at Tara, it looks like uh, people are going to lose uh, their job at, at rehab. Uh, and you raised this in the doll earlier this morning with uh, Darren O'Rourke. Uh, what was the response to you? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, the response wasn't great. Like, you know, that uh, I did call um, the the HR manager with uh, Rehab Enterprise myself, and um, he 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 didn't hold out much hope for these jobs, you know. But they're talking about like is is eleven people, um, you know, um, just fourteen employees there, but eleven of them uh, are, are facing um, job job losses, and uh, you know, these are in some cases uh, people with disabilities, you know, and who have worked there for thirty years, and some of them twenty years, and you know, it's 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 very hard to see how they will seek employment locally um you know if 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 there there is a small window of opportunity still there where um government can engage with with um rehab enterprises to see if these jobs could be uh, saved i spoke to um, as i said there the hr manager he he told me that the company is losing 200,000 uh, a year there in avon you know but you know 200,000 a year when you're looking after people with disabilities and and um you, you know it, it wouldn't last long if these people go on on the live register and and the effect it will have long term on their mental health and everything else, you know. So, um, you know, they, they need to engage and see if anything can be done, you know. And 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 if not, then look after them with decent redundancy packages. But at least try everything um, possible before that. Okay, Johnny, I have to leave it there. Thank you indeed for joining us on the program uh, this morning. Sinn Fein TD for Meath West, Johnny Girk. Michael Reed Show, brought to you by AirGrid, managing and planning the national grid so that everyone has electricity when and where they need it. Now, shocking to think that between 2018 and 2022, almost 16,000 cases of elder abuse were reported to the HSE. Now, uh, this information ahead of World Elder Abuse Awareness Day, uh, which uh, falls uh, tomorrow. Sue Shaw is uh, the CEO of the Irish Senior Citizens Parliament and joins us now. Good morning to you, Sue. Thanks indeed uh, for joining us. Things may not be as bad as they are, you would contend, if we acted to combat ageism. Definitely, and good morning to you, Michael, and good morning to your listeners, and also to the many people who are impacted by the closure of Tara. That was really hard to hear. But yes, I think in relation to um, how we look at the abuse of older people, I think if the underpinning piece, which has research has shown, is that if we began to deal with the issue of ageism and how getting older is seen as a negative thing and that you lose your power. I was talking to a group of women the other day and they were saying how invisible 
you become as you age and that you you begin to lose the sense of having anything of value. Uh, irrelevant, uh, invis- invisible, irrelevant uh, and not deserving of respect in the minds of some, uh, I take it. The World Health Organization, you say, uh, estimates one in six people over the age of 60 suffer some form of abuse. And that's, an, we know those facts, but they're underreported. More often than not, older people don't report it and are a little concerned. So it's a, as we age, as we have an ageing demographic, that's going to be, we're going to hear more and more of this. But definitely it is an issue that is stemmed from a sense of lack of value. The easiest thing is when we don't hold value on people is not to treat them well. Mm. And it can be benign in the sense that, oh, well, I didn't mean it, but mom's not very good digitally, so I just do it for her. Mm. And that's a very benign, in some sense, well-intentioned form of that yeah. that you wouldn't do to another adult that of you wouldn't do you wouldn't do it to appear. Yeah, I went down there, to I went down to collect her pension, so I took a few bob out of the pension money to pay for my petrol. I, yeah, and you know, ma'am, that that costs, or um, you, you realise you didn't have such and such in the press, and I think you need to have that. That's taking decision-making away. Mm. So once we have to hand over, we begin to lose control of that. And more often than not, when you have those conversations with family members, there's a, a kind of slight, well, I didn't mean any harm, in the in the easiest of cases, I suppose, the mildest of cases. It's not meant to be harmful, but the impact on the older person more often than not is a sense of loss of control, a sense of feeling stupid, a sense of I didn't get it. Mm. I mean, I can relate to the digital stuff at my age. So I can only, and I'm working and I'm in full, I have full control and I'm seen as in a position of power, but I can still relate to that. So I can only imagine if I'm living with a family member who thinks it's best if I do it for you, it's quicker, it's easier. Mm. You begin to lose more and more autonomy. And I think that's where we begin at the milder end of the scale. The larger end of the scale is just taking control of your pension. Mm. It's physical abuse if you're not Mm. willing to listen to what's been said, being locked in your room. I spoke to a man at one of the pieces of work we did and he was listening and he came up and he was distraught afterwards. Now, and that's the only way to describe it. He said, when I go to the shop, I I lock my wife in the bedroom because she has Alzheimer's. But I'm realising now how terrifying that is that I've listened to you. Now, that man had no intention of doing anything negative. But he said he'd noticed himself that he'd stretched the time she was left in longer and longer. Now, that's about lack of support. That's incredibly sad, yeah, yeah. He didn't mean... No. How it was viewed, but it was abuse. Yeah. But if there were better supports, if we talked about it more, if we were much more open. So we do believe that uh, if we began to tackle ageism in and of itself mm. and then began to talk more and more about what exactly is abuse of an older, like the very obvious ones like sexual abuse, physical mm. abuse, mm. they're very obvious. Yeah. But the earlier stages of that, I suppose what we call coercive control, where you feel intimidated so you don't answer back. Mm. And that happens all too often. And unfortunately, while the law has come in, and it has been really good, Michael, Mm. one of the gaps in it is that it has to be an intimate partner. Mm. So I could be living with my son, who believes he knows what's best for me, but I can't, I don't have access to that law because he's not an intimate partner. Mm. 
So we need to broaden that out, and I'm sure we will, but we need to campaign for it. We need to talk yeah. more about and, it. And, uh, I mean, it would seem to me, uh, from what you're saying, to undermine somebody is uh, abusive. And I, I think one of uh, the things that older people fear if not dread is losing their confidence I hear people talking about it all the time Uh, I I don't have the confidence uh, that I used to have I've lost all my confidence uh, and so on and if you can't be trusted to decide whether you want to pay for the petrol money for your son to collect your pension or or not that is going to undermine you uh, and have a terrible effect on your confidence I mean what are you worth if you can't make a decision like that that's it, Michael. And it's the, it's the multiple layers of it. So that initially, well, I didn't mean any harm. Like, I do go down and get your stuff for you. So then you're, you're silenced by that. But, well, you could have asked me. I might have explained to you that I need that for something else. So there's, there's the silencing, and that's the piece at first. All victims of abuse will be saying, say that it is the silencing of them. That is the hardest part, making them feel, oh, for God's sake, you're seriously given out because I took that as your example. Or I only meant well. And genuinely, people often in the early stages, it is meant well, but then it gets gets progressive. And a lot of cases, yes, it moves to something far more destructive when it moves into physical abuse. Yeah, well, or theft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People yeah. can steal money um, or, or physically assault or sexually assault, uh, yeah. which is very rare, I think, but it does happen. Um, but uh, yes, uh, does. Uh, yes. at that stage, one of the problems is that people are, are uh, reluctant, if not afraid, to report it. I think so. And often in, in institutions as well, there's a reality of your... It's not that it's physical abuse as such, but there's restraints used. Or there's, So we have wonderful advocacy agencies who are dealing really well with this. SAGE do an amazing job around that. And they're reporting that often what is perceived as, well, I gently moved her into the chair. Actually, that's not that gentle after all. So it, there are there is early signs in in a range of settings in the home is the hardest one, I think, because it's the quietest of so family members who come to live with other family members. But we do need to have conversations. And I also think we need to have, like, it's not an easy job to take an older person in who's in the early stages of dementia and mind them. I minded, my sisters and myself minded my mother with dementia. I know at times I would have to walk outside for five minutes to control myself and say, seriously, Sue, she doesn't mean it and come back in. But it was able to have conversations with other people and with the Alzheimer's Association that supported me. All too often people feel guilty about their sense of anger and frustration at their elderly parents or older parents. Mm. Okay. So well, I think having more conversation yeah. is always helpful to mm. everybody. Yeah, because uh, I think uh, what you're talking about is a, a very difficult situation for everybody uh, and mm. uh, very hard to contend with uh, yeah. when the person who brought you up uh, is a completely different person, it, it seems, uh, and is abusive to you, perhaps. Uh, but yeah. uh, it's a, a disease. So yeah. we, we, we leave it there. Thank you indeed uh, for joining Thank us. Thank you, Michael, for Thank raising you. it. I really appreciate that opportunity to talk about it. OK, well, World right. Elder Abuse Awareness Day falls tomorrow. And that was Sue Shaw, who is uh, the CEO of the Irish Senior Citizens Parliament. Michael at lmfm.ie 
The Michael Reed Show with AirGrid, managing and developing the national electricity grid so that it's fit for our current needs and ready for our future ones. Uh, so many people are in touch with us uh, this morning. Let me give you a flavour of uh, some of the comments and thank you indeed to everybody who's uh, taken the time uh, to call us, text us, WhatsApp, etc. Uh, we had uh, a text uh, from somebody who uh, was saying this is going to have a huge impact on uh, the mental health of people and uh, is concerned about what might happen uh, as a result of uh, the decision to lay off uh, the 650 workers. The government will have a lot to answer for, uh, says our caller. And please answer the questions, Miss McEntee, referring to the minister's interview earlier on. Uh, we'd uh, somebody else, uh, Ellen. Thank you, Ellen. She says, Michael, I think Damien English was the wrong person to ask about Tara Mines. He's not going to blame Eamon Ryan. Uh, and uh, he's his own questions uh, to answer, um, says Ellen, who doesn't uh, appear to have much trust in Damien English. We had quite a, a number of comments along those lines. Um, we had Michael in Slane uh, saying regarding Tara Mines, Eamon Ryan needs to get down to Tara Mines this week. He's on cloud 99. Thanks, Michael, indeed, uh, for that. Uh, another uh, text or WhatsApp message uh, from somebody who said, oh, God, Damien English, my ears, please hang up on him. Uh, and there were uh, some other words uh, <laughs> involved uh, in uh, that message, which I can't read out to you. As I say, there was a lot of a, a negative uh, response uh, to uh, Damien English coming on the programme uh, this morning. And um, we will uh, come to uh, that uh, in the coming days uh, when we hope to have an interview with Damien English uh, in relation to his planning decision. Uh, we'd a uh, text message uh, then that... Uh, comes to us uh, from Michael uh, in Avenue who says how can a company invest in a 30 year planned life of a mine when mining licenses are only granted for one and a half years it's madness uh, another text from somebody who says as a wife of an employee in Tara Mines it's disgusting what's going on I don't even work there and I could tell you more than what Damien English and Helen McEntee were saying the SIP2 rep was right. They don't know mining. They don't know the mining industry. If they're heading down a mine on 12-hour shifts in total darkness for the past 40 years, which some men have been doing, they'd have a lot more to say. As for the management in Tara, they should be ashamed of themselves. They are men... Uh, when waiting on a meeting last night um, I'm sorry I got mixed up in that message there Um, the news came through on the television and uh, uh, as uh, the site goes on to show how they appreciate uh, it, it says a lot about how much they appreciate their workforce I think that's the thrust of it thank you indeed to that uh, lady, uh, wife of an employee in Tara Mines. Uh, and apologies, uh, I did uh, get some of it jumbled up. I um, uh, haven't had a lot of time to read the text in advance uh, because we've been so busy this morning. It's uh, been a, a remarkable programme. Uh, somebody else saying, um, uh, Michael, may I say you're doing your best to drag Eamon Ryan through uh, the whatever with your constant interrogation of Damien English and Helen McEntee. Well, uh, thank you. Uh, I was making the point probably was very strongly uh, in relation to what the trade union has been saying. 
uh, and they've been warning uh, that there'd be problems, and now there are problems. Uh, Margaret uh, says, did the EU provide money to the government years ago to pay farmers to reclaim land? If so, why did they do it, and why are they telling them to re-wet the land now? It reminds me of the experts who told us to drive diesel cars instead of petrol, and we all know how wrong they got that. How is it right uh, to close peat factories? Uh, but it seems that we're importing briquettes from other countries and we've imported peat from 14 separate countries in the past six years. So it begs the question, why are we importing so much from so many? Five of the countries are EU members. Why are they allowed to continue to use their bugs, yet Ireland has to shut theirs? Does climate change not affect all of the countries in the world or is it just ours? How much carbon is used to transport these goods to Ireland or is it a case of once our CO2 is okay, forget about the others, what about all of the jobs that have been lost here as a result? Margaret says you couldn't make it up. Thank you uh, for your message uh, to the programme this morning. Patricia in touch with us about Tara Mines saying the CEO of Belayden, uh, the company that runs uh, Tara Mines uh, had a very different story. Um, she says John Regan or Michael Reid uh, obviously didn't hear him say that it's the reduction in the price of zinc and increased energy costs and overheads that has caused this. Thanks, uh, Patricia. They were three of the four reasons uh, that he cited, all right. Uh, The fourth was operational problems. Uh, You can't uh, drill for uh, zinc if you don't have an exploration licence. And that is why we were uh, highlighting it as one of the issues. Uh, I think uh, the way the mine operates is they explore where the zinc is before they take the zinc out. Uh, if you can't explore for the zinc, uh, well then you can't find the zinc uh, and then you can't take it out uh, and uh, that's their product. Um, somebody else says very poor interviewing by Michael this morning. All he wanted to do was hear his own voice. He didn't ask any question about planning permission being uh, delayed. Instead just shouting over everyone else. Tara Mines was closed for a year back in 2001 uh, uh, and on care and maintenance then the mining licence is only a sideshow and taking the heat off uh, Belayden over the main reason why it's temporarily closing Belayden have done very well out of Tara Mines over the years and maybe it's time for them to put something back in you don't hear from them when zinc and lead prices are high Thank you. Thomas Lynch in Dulik, uh, has been texting us uh, today as well. And Thomas says, Michael, how do you expect anyone to believe a word out of Damien English's mouth uh, who has been proven to be an untruthful in the not too distant past? Um, we'd uh, Paddy Duffy in touch with us as well when Damien English was on. He said he's Schlieveen. Uh, Eamon of No Party says uh, every time the Greens are in government in Ireland all the ordinary Irish people get is green tax that's their answer to everything this is the worst government in my lifetime politicians uh, David uh, says uh, line their own pockets and they drift away with big pay and pensions with no accountability I beg your pardon Eamon says Eamon No Party thank you as always for your message that's all we have time for for today we'll be back again uh, with more tomorrow morning at 9am right here on LMFM Good morning. Bye-bye. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie.